Good evening, good evening, and good evening. Thank you again for joining us this evening. And we will continue our Bible study. Uh, today we're going to be talking about another book called the book of Second Samuel. Uh, if you notice, we have been studying all the books of the Bible and we are taking it one by one. And after we finish the whole Bible, I don't know how long that's going to take, then we're going to go back and take each of them and do surgery and, and dig deep. <laughs> so I'm excited about what God's going to do. Uh, today we are dealing with the book of Samuel, Second Samuel. The last week we talked about First Samuel. If you recall, during the last week, uh, Basically, we have the story of Israel. They were captives in Egypt. God set them free. They find themselves in the wilderness, traveling to their promised land. They spent 40 years in the wilderness. Eventually, they got to the promised land. Then when they got to the promised land, they were supposed to be following God's commandment, and God's supposed to be blessing them. Things didn't quite work out as planned. They were disobedient, and that didn't work out. And then we get into the first book of Samuel. We, have, we, we see how God raised up prophet Samuel, and then how God raised up King Saul because the people wanted a king. And then... Saul raised up and Saul fell. So the first book of Samuel ended up with the death of King Saul. Then we begin this new book called the, the second book of Samuel. The first thing that blows my mind, and I hope it does to you also, King Saul died, and guess what David did? David started weeping over Saul. David lament over Saul. You might be saying, what is the big deal about that? It is a big deal because Saul was an enemy of David. Saul spent most of his years trying to kill David. You would think, like many human beings, when God finally knocked down your enemy, you say, hooray, hallelujah. No, instead, he cried. Let that sink in. Are you the type of person that rejoices when your enemies are losing ground? Or can you look beyond what somebody did to you and see the good in them? And have compassion. It's like, can you imagine, here you are, a nice woman of God, and you are believing God to marry John Doe, and John Doe dump you and marry somebody else. I know that hurts, you know. Mm -hmm. And then God work it out. John Doe, who married somebody else, it didn't work out for them. Guess how you will feel? Say, uh huh? Our New Year's Day is coming. 
knew I knew it was not going to work out. Then you see, all right. But no, David didn't do that. David was actually sad to hear about the death of Saul. He cried. He laments. That's a lesson for me too. I will confess to you, there's a natural tendency for me to rejoice when my enemies are knocked down. I've seen many of my enemies literally knock, get their ignorant head knocked out. And the, 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 the natural me wants to say, uh-huh, I knew that was coming. But you know, learn. I have to learn the same thing. Learn not to dwell on the mistake of others. See them as child of God. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Now that Saul is dead, David became, became the official king of the whole of Israel. Praise the Lord. The first thing David did, ladies and gentlemen, he went and fight the city of Jerusalem and conquered Jerusalem. Jerusalem used to be Jerusalem and conquered Jerusalem. Jerusalem used to be uh, used to belong to the Jebusites. You know, there's some other different tribes in that region. David fought them and defeated them. There's a lesson there. Sometimes in life, you have to learn how to fight. Many times Christians we just wait, waiting on God to do everything for us. When there are some things that God has already equipped you to do, you just need to get up and do it. You don't need to wait on God to go to the bathroom. For God's sake, just get up and go. To... <laughs> I tell you. So God will not do for you what he has empowered you to do for your own sake. David thought Jerusalem would be a nice place to be the center of his government. Guess what he did? He declared war on Jerusalem. And he fought the Jebusite and conquered them. Could it be there are some things that God has already given to you and the only hold up, you haven't get up your behind to go possess it? I've been there. Every now and then I have to do some soul searching. I have to reflect over my life and really ask myself, is there anything that God is asking me to do and I'm just dragging myself, I'm just making excuses? I need to arise and shine for the glory of God has risen upon me. I'm saying the same thing concerning you. David rose up. He fought those Jebusites. He won them. The next thing he did, he, he changed the name of Jerusalem to Zion. And then he made that city, it's still the same thing to today. He made that city the capital of Israel. You probably hear about some debates in Middle East, the polities, and Israel wants to bring the, the capital from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, I mean, that's, that's another debate altogether. But that was the same Jerusalem. David conquered, 
changed the name to Zion. Isn't it funny that the name of our church here in the U.S. for the benefits of those of you who are watching internationally, the name of our church is Zion Hill Church Family. Guess where we got that from? David. <laughs> David defeated Jerusalem and called the city Zion. So Zion or Jerusalem became the political capital of Israel. Then David's next move was to say, look, not only do I want Jerusalem to be the capital, the political capital, I also want it to be the religious capital. So David made another strategic move, brought the Ark of the Covenant, which represents the presence of God. He brought it to Jerusalem. That was a whole, a whole summer by itself. Every six feet, he would stop and make a sacrifice. There was a lot of dancing. There was a lot of celebration. That's another summer altogether. But the one thing I don't want you to miss in the book of Second Samuel is there are two parts to it. The first part talks about David's success story, his conquest, his achievement is success. The second part of the book of 2 Samuel talks about David's mistake and David's failure. Why am I calling your attention today? Have you noticed a pattern since we have been reading the whole Bible from Genesis to where we are now? God will raise somebody up and they will start good and before you realize they screw up and they go back down. Uh, I mean, just naming one after the other, from Adam to Noah to Abraham to Isaac to Jacob to Joseph. And then the, Joseph died in Egypt and all the people now, there's a Pharaoh who didn't know Joseph made his people slaves. And then 430 years, God freed them. They find themselves in the wilderness. Many of them refused to serve God. God tried to make a covenant with them. God raised some more different leaders. He raised up Moses to deliver them. He raised up Joshua to lead them. I mean, then they finally entered the the promised land, he, God wrought many miracles, just like he did in your life and my life. Can you imagine how many miracles that you have witnessed since you've been born? I keep journal of miracles in my life. It blows my mind how good God has been to me, even when I don't deserve it. You know why I'm calling your attention today? We need to be thankful to God every day. In our best, we are still not really good. Every one of them rise up and fall. Even Prophet Samuel rise up, fall. First Kings and Saul, 
started out very good, a lot of success story, eventually he failed. That's what you're going to find out in this book, the book of 2 Samuel. So the first part, David was just going after the enemy. He will conquer them, he whoop their behind and doing great things, conquered Jerusalem, made Jerusalem the capital of Israel, bring the whole nation together, so he's now officially the king of the whole Israel. Incredible success. Then brought the Ark of the Covenant and made Jerusalem not just the political capital, but the religious capital. Wow. Things is looking pretty good. The next thing you find out about David, David went before God and said, Lord, I'll tell you what I want to do. Give me permission to build a temple where to put this Ark of the Covenant. I want to build you a house. Good intention. Nice request, but guess what God said to David? No, thank you. Have you ever found yourself trying to do something and God didn't honor it? I've been there. You'd be amazed how many things I've started that really didn't work out. Many people see the glory, but they don't know my story. It's not that everything I did just pam, pam, pam like that. There are some colossal failure. You know why? It's very simple. If God didn't send you to do it, don't do it. If God is not in it, it's not going to work. Except the Lord build the house. Mm-hmm. Everyone that labors, labors in vain. Except the Lord protect the city. In vain, the watchman is watching. You know why I'm smiling? Because I've learned the hard way. By the way, that was Psalms 127 verses 1 and 2. I've now learned after many years of getting my behind kicked. I've now learned to wait on God and not push my own agenda on God, but find out what God is doing and then join him in his own agenda. I just give you a formula. Find out what God is doing in your generation and join him and then you succeed. God is not interested in promoting your own agenda. He's interested in promoting his own agenda, but he welcomes you to partner with him to make it happen on the planet Earth. He bluntly told David, Sir, I don't need you to build my house. You know the reason why he gave to David? He said, I admire your good intention, but your hand is full of blood. Your hand is not clean. I can stop there and preach to you, my friend. If you want God to use you, learn 
to have a clean hand. If there's one lesson I've learned about God, he would not fool with you if your hand is not clean. The good side of that rejection, rejection by God, God said, David, but don't feel bad that I don't want you to build me my house. He said, but I will build you a house. Hallelujah. Huh. Ain't that something? God literally promised David, I will build you a family. I will build you a home. I will build you a kingdom. And out of you shall come somebody to build a house for God. Not you. Your hand is not clean. But out of you will come somebody that will build God a house here on earth. And out of you will come somebody that will build the eternal kingdom of Almighty God. Wow, that is not a bad deal for David. God really honored him. And sure enough, if you follow on later on, guess who built the temple that David was trying to build? His son, Solomon. Guess who built the eternal kingdom that God promised? His great, 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 great grandson, Jesus Christ. There's a lesson there. You want to know what the lesson is? God keeps his word. Mm. Hallelujah. I can shout on that. God keeps his word. What is it that God has told you? Maybe in your dreams. Maybe in your vision. Maybe God has revealed to you something concerning your future. Let me remind you. Let me encourage you. Whatever God has said, he would do it. The book of Numbers chapter 23 verse 19 say, God is not a man. He don't lie. God is not like you and me. He doesn't flip-flop. Had he said something to you, he would do it. Has he made you a promise? Believe me when I tell you, God will make it good. He may not come when you want him, but mark my word, God is always right on time. So David was not able to build the temple. But David enjoyed success to remarkable success. You know why he was successful? He remained very humble. He remained a worshiper. David will worship and dance before the Lord. And David really cared for his people. The Bible said concerning him, he never lost a single battle during his reign. Whoa. Now that's something for you and me to emulate. I'm actually pursuing that goal. David never lost a single battle during his reign. Incredible success story. Well, I wish I could just tell you that the whole book ends with David as a success story. But that would not be true. What really happened is that one day, David made a very terrible decision. 
The Bible said one day he saw a woman taking bath on the rooftop. I don't know on earth why this woman is taking a bath, no cover. Hello, somebody. <laughs> <laughs> no, trust me, I'm not trying to blame sisters. I'm just, you, I'm scratching my hair. I said, man, at least I, I couldn't, I, I, I'm a theologian. I'm still trying to figure that out. But you know, that is no excuse for David. That's no excuse for me or you. Regrettably, David saw it. David was attracted to that woman. You know what happened. David had an affair with that woman. He committed adultery with that woman. But you know, and I don't mean to, to, to trivialize what happened. One thing that blows my mind is that it's just not adultery. See, I'm a lawyer. It's one of those things that you have to bring many charges. Beside the adultery, he tried to cover it up. That's a cover-up. Beside the adultery and the cover-up, then he killed the husband of that woman. So then he lied about it. Perjury. So you're looking at murder, you're looking at perjury, you're looking at adultery, you're looking at cover-up. I mean, you can go on, the charges will pile up. And then he married the woman. By the way, David's already married. He got wives already. They married this woman. Bathsheba. Now you can put yourself in the place of God and imagine how much it grieves the heart of God. And that's a constant story about human nature. We rise and we fall, we do great things for the Lord, and then we begin to act a fool. And then we lose the glory. Then we lose the anointing. And then we are back to square one. And then we become a disgrace. Let me pray for you and me this morning or this evening. I pray that you will end well. I pray that I will end well. You know, it's a sad thing. It's not how you start. What matters is how you end. Have you noticed some great men and women of God, they start right, but they don't end well? I pray that will not be your story. Pray for me also. I really mean that. Undergard me as your man of God that I would not end bad. It was so sad what happens to, to David. Now, I have to give one thing to David. He was confronted by a prophet by the name Nathan. And once David realized he got caught, guess what he did? He repented. 
That's very, very important. One of the problems I have with some of our leaders today is that even when they're caught red-handed, they would not even admit their own wrong. That's a, that's a time bomb waiting to explode. One thing I want you and I to learn from David is the willingness to say, I messed up. Or the willingness to say, it's me. Forgive me. Psalms 51, you see David in his writing, begging God. He said, create in me a clean heart. Renew the right spirit within me. I know I screw up. I know I messed up. Don't take away your Holy Spirit from me. David said in the book of Psalm 51, he said, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Renew the right spirit within me. He knew he messed up. The good news for you and me, as it was for David, maybe I should say the good and the bad news. Which one you want me to tell you first? Hey, talk to me. And I'm just. <laughs> the good news is that God forgave him. And the good news for you and for me, no matter what we have done, if we will have enough sense to admit and to confess, as the Bible says in the book of Proverbs, say, He who covereth his sins shall not prosper. But anyone that will confess it and forsake them shall obtain mercy. When you or me or you and I recognize we messed up and we fessed up and we ask God to forgive us, guess what? God is committed to forgive us our sin. That's the good news. The not so good, ladies and gentlemen, is that although God forgive us, there is consequence. The consequence will be there. There is consequence for sin. So yes, David was forgiven, but in this case, like any other case, he had to deal with the consequence. What was the consequence? His family became a mess. Are you listening to me? What was the consequence? His kingdom all messed up. In fact, I hate to tell you this, and it, it grieves my heart as I'm, as I'm talking to you because I'm a leader too. And I worry sometimes that history don't repeat itself in my own life. David died with a broken heart. He was wounded. He was broken. Just because he messed up. So many bad things happened in his family as a result of his sin. 
First of all, the child, the product of adultery, died. That was a painful experience. Not just for David, I'm sure for Miss Bathsheba too. There's another lesson we need to learn, you and I. Sometimes when we messed up, in fact, I hear the Lord say all the time, thank you, Holy Spirit. When we messed up, sometimes our messed up can affect other people. David was the one who imposed on this woman, who lost after her, who messed her up, who killed her husband. So David had to went through all the grief of losing a child. But look at this woman. She's caught in that mess too. There were other tragedies that happened as a result of this sin. One of David's sons, his name is Amnon, raped his own sister. Can you believe it? The sister's name is Tamar. Can you believe a brother raping his own sister? You can see the whole family of David is becoming dysfunctional. Can I really keep it real today? Have you noticed most families in America are dysfunctional? This is what happens when we live in sin. It may not even be your own wrongdoing. It may be sin of our fathers. It may be sin of our mother. There are something we call paternal sins and there are maternal sins. Sometimes you have to pray that God will break every generational curse in your life. Sometimes the only reason why it's becoming so difficult for people to climb up is because they are held down by the sins of their forefathers. Today, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that every chain that is holding you be broken in the name of Jesus. I pray that God will break up every generational curse Anything that will hinder your success, anything that will hinder your destiny, anything that will mess up your children, my children, anything that will make us unable to achieve our goal, whether it's, it's done because of our own mistake, whether it's done because of the mistake of people before us, we break every one of those chains right now in the name of Jesus. You know something that happened? Another son of, of David, his name is Absalom. He found out that his own brother raped their sister. Guess what he did? He went and killed his own brother. So now we have the death of a baby, followed by a rape in the family, Followed by a rape in the family. Followed by a murder in the family. And then it got so bad it just continued like that. It's like once you start a pattern of messed up, it's like 
everything just began to fall apart. In fact, it got so bad, the whole country fell apart under David and his children. In fact, before David died, his own son, Absalom, rebelled against David and launched a coup d'etat and kicked David out of the throne. Guess what happens to David? Dave, you remember David was, many years ago, how he was running from Saul, King Saul, how he was running from cave to cave and was running in the bush, in the woods. The same thing happened to him. But this time, it was not an enemy from outside. His own son kicked him out of the throne. This time, you see, the first time when King Saul was chasing him around, David was innocent. But guess what? This time, David was not a saint. What is happening to him? What is happening in his family? What is happening to his children, to his, to his wife, is a result of, of his own sin. What am I trying to tell you, me? There is consequence for our sins. If you don't hear anything else I have to say, please grab hold of it. There are things I would not do today, not because I'm so holy or I'm so righteous, but I'm mindful of the fact that what I do may affect my children or my children's children or my children's children's children. Be careful what you do. Be careful who you associate with. Be careful what you get into. Be careful how you conduct yourself while you are yet living. David. You see, the end of that, that book, Second Samuel, compared David with King Saul. You know one thing that I can see about both of them, and it's reflected in the end of Second Samuel. Both of them came from humble beginnings. I see myself in them. It grabs my attention. They were nobody. King Saul was not a product for kingship. His, his old generation never been a king. But God gave him a chance. King David was never a king before in his life. His whole family was not a king material. David is a bush boy, to say the least. I'm not trying to put him down. Even I see my own self in the same predicament. I never passed a no church before. I never been on TV in my life. Nobody in my whole family even dream of that. But God has a way of picking you up out of nothing and give you and me an opportunity to shine. One scripture talks about he's so good at God, he will give you land that is not even yours. He will give you wells that you never did. Hallelujah. Sometimes I just feel like crying. So many opportunities 
that God has given you, that God has given me. So many opportunities that he wants to give to you right now. The only question is, are you going to mess it up? Both of them, King Saul, King David, humble beginning. Saul, King David, define opportunity. Miracle. Both of them, God crammed them when they least deserve it. And both of them messed it up. They start well, but they end up bad. I pray that will not be your testimony. Maybe you're going through some rough time right now. Maybe the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart right now and say, Pastor, I hear you real good. I don't want to end like that. Maybe you need some encouragement and you need prayer on anything this evening. There's a number under the screen. I want you to dial that number. You know why? There are ministers of the gospel that are trained and waiting to pray with you. There comes a time when you live foolish things and make up your mind and say, for God I'll live, for God I'll die. Apostle Paul put it this way. He said, when I, when I was a child, I behaved like a child. I spoke like a child. I acted like a child. But when I became a man, guess what? I put away childish things. I want to invite those of you who are serious about doing the work of the ministry. You say, Pastor, it's too late now. I've messed up. Well, welcome to the club. But you know what is so good about God? God is willing to forgive you, wipe clean your plate, and give you another chance. You say, you say, Pastor, how you know that? When do you begin to be a spokesman for God? Well, for one thing, I know that from personal experience. For another thing, he has called me and anointed me to tell you the heart of God. God is willing to accept you back. God is willing to give you another chance. God is willing to help you. I challenge you this evening to invite him into your heart. I thank you for studying the word of God with me. I hope that something has been said or done to enrich you in your Christian journey. I pray God will give you an opportunity. I pray that God will open doors for you. That he will cause you to rise and cause you to shine for his glory. I beg you, don't mess it up. God bless you till we meet again. Amen.